0: Just growing up in St. Louis, we were always racing somewhere between Illinois, Wisconsin, Michigan, Indiana, um, all the way up to Iowa. We've been to Iowa several times, uh, several races there as well. So I uh, got a, a lot of great memories and, and a lot of uh, childhood fun uh, all through that part of the country.
1: You're listening to The Quick Cast. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome into The Quick Cast, the official podcast of Quick Trip. My name is Chris Calloway. My guest today is Randall Burnett, the crew chief for the number eight car driven by Kyle Bush and this weekend's Michigan 400. Randall, welcome on to the QuickCast.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me on the QuickCast. This is a pretty cool deal.
1: Yeah, we're excited for this weekend. It's a pretty cool partnership for us here at Quick Trip. Uh, as Kyle will be decked out in a Quick QuickTrip QuickStar racing suit. We'll have Quick Trip and QuickStar on the hood of the car, on the side of the car, and of course, we are our slogan. See you next time across the bumper. And, you know, part of the gig in, in NASCAR, I would imagine is, is dealing with sponsorships and promotions and paint schemes and all that kind of stuff that probably doesn't fall directly into your wheelhouse as, <laughs> as crew chief though. Right.
0: Well, no, I mean, I'm more responsible obviously for the, uh, to making the car fast, but uh, it's kind of cool. They just finished up the wrap on the car today actually. Um, and it looks really good. The car looks great. Really excited about having a quick trip on board um, and this partnership, you know, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun, I think for everybody.
1: Yeah. We're looking forward to it. It's on TV this weekend on uh, the USA network. Uh, you can watch the Michigan 400 there, but, um, can you kind of take me through what a week is like for you? You know, you, you were in third place at Richmond over the weekend. You're back in North Carolina now middle of the week, you're heading off to Michigan towards the end of the week. What is a typical week in the middle of the season look like for you?
0: Well, it's uh, pretty busy actually. Um, so I'll start on a Monday, say we, uh, so we raced to uh, Richmond on Sunday. Uh, like you said, we got third there, um, which was a good, good race for us. We obviously want to win every week, but, um, we've kind of struggled with our short track program a little bit. So, uh, to be able to go to a short track and have a really good finish, qualified second, finished third. So, uh, that was a pretty good race for us. So, um, you know, we fly home Sunday after the race typically, Uh, Right away. Um, And then we'll do all of our driver debriefs on Monday. A lot of, you know, write up our post race reports of of what things worked for us, what things didn't work for us. Keep all of our notes, get all that organized, Um, do our driver debrief uh, later in the afternoon um, with with our drivers and crew chiefs and, and general managers and all that um, and just kind of rehash the weekend of what went well and what didn't. And, uh, Tuesday, it's all hands on deck here at the shop, working on the car for this weekend. Um, you know, our road crew comes in, they kind of finish all the, the details on the car. Um, the car is usually assembled. We've already, um, the shop floor guys, we have guys that are designated here in the shop of, um, it starts back in, in the fabrication, um, area where they put the body on it floor all that. Um, and then, It comes out here to the shop floor where they put all the suspension, the engine, all that stuff goes in. All of our shop guys that that are here weekly, uh, based here in the shop weekly, do all that. And then they kind of turn it over to us on the road crew. Um, And the road crew does the final details of um, the car setup and, um, you know, installing the springs and shocks and doing this and doing that. And, you know, making sure the interior is good for Kyle, all the drivers, all the driver stuff, the pedals, the seat, everything's perfect in there for him. Um, so we do that for a couple days, get all that signed out. That's usually about two or three days' worth of work. Um, the car will load uh, Thursday evening um, this week um, and, and leave, and they'll leave that, that evening and drive through the night um, on the way to Michigan and be there you know, late Friday morning sometime, um, and then they'll park the haulers on Friday. Um, the road guys, the guys that travel with the car every weekend, will all fly out, fly out I think, Friday evening this week um and then be at the track first thing saturday morning
1: and it's just kind of that same thing every week throughout the season yeah it's
0: yeah it's pretty much that you know the schedule changes a little bit depending on where we're going like if we got a west coast race um you know indy's a little challenging next week we got to be there you know the car's got to be there a day earlier next week um just because the way the schedule works so we'll work here in the shop monday tuesday wednesday load up wednesday night and then the car will leave you know wednesday night you know, for Indy. So, uh, it just kind of depends on where you're going, what the, what NASCAR schedule is that week. Um, it's kind of changing all the time. Um, but yeah, that's kind of a typical, typical week for us. You know, we'll work three days here in the shop, finishing, doing all of our final details. Um, you know, luckily maybe some days we'll get a, some, some weeks we'll get a day off, some we don't. So, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a grind for sure throughout the season.
1: But you love doing
0: it, right? Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: So you finished in the top 10 over the weekend and this, this season you've been in the top 10 more than half the time when you're actually on race day, what's the difference between, you know, like a a 20th place finish. And then when you're in the top five, is there something you, you can tell specifically what's happening? And then kind of what's the difference between moving from top 10 into that, that, that winning position?
0: Well, so right now the car, like um, with this new next-gen car that, that we've been racing the last two years, right, um, it's really close the gap on the competition, right? So um, it really doesn't take much to be from a first-place car to, say, a 15th or 20th-place car. You're talking, you know, a tenth or two tenths, maybe two tenths of a second a lap, depending on what size track you're at. So it's really, really small. A lot of, a lot of that comes from the details going into the car, um your choices on say your your setup wise your shocks your springs that you decide to put in the car um what ride heights that's a big thing for us Uh, the cars are very aerodynamic now um the floor makes it uh very aerodynamic for us and it's very sensitive to how high off the ground it is so um that's a big adjustment we make throughout the weekend of and we're talking you know 20, 30, 40,000 to change is is a significant change and, and the driver can feel it and make a big difference in the car. So um, it's it's really technical, really, um, really, like I said, detail oriented and and understanding how to get the most out of your car.
1: And so you've got three wins so far this season uh, at Fontana in California, the big one in Talladega and then a hometown win for you uh, down in St. Louis. What does a, what does a typical celebration look like for you after a win look, look like for you and your team?
0: Well, typically, um, you know, we, uh, we celebrate pretty hard in victory lane. Um, and then it's not, not really, a, you know, a week long party or anything like that. Cause you certainly <laughs> got to get back. Um, you know, you got to enjoy the wins for sure. Um, when you get them, you never know when, when they're going to come. Um, this series is so tough, you know, it's one of the, the toughest forms of motorsports there is, um, and so you never know when you're going to get your next win or if that's going to be your last one for that matter. So, um, you know, you, you got to celebrate them when they come for sure. Um, we've got a really tight knit group um, with this eight car. Um, we all get along really well. So some of the nights, depending on if we land early, we might end up at Clay's house. Our car chief is uh, you know, he, uh, he lives not too far from the airport there. So sometimes we'll me- meander over there and, and have a beverage or two and, and, celebrate the victory um we do you know we'll do a lot of we do luncheons here at the shop um for everybody that that say not there on the weekend everybody you know everybody has their hands in these cars at, at richard Childress racing and so um it's important to celebrate with all the shop guys uh, the guys in the engine shop um the fabrication department everybody that has their hands on this car you know you got to give them guys credit because without them you wouldn't be able to do the things that you're doing on the weekend, so uh, that's important for us here at Richard Childress Racing It's to to make sure everybody's included in all that. And um, like I said, there ain't a whole lot of long party times. It's not like a two or three day party or sure. anything like that where everybody's you know having a great time. It's um, you kind of celebrate. You get to you get to have fun, cut up for the evening, and and just usually pretty much back to work on Monday.
1: The big celebration comes at the end of the season when you win the whole shooting match.
0: Yes, that's that's the main goal. If we uh if we make it that far and, and win this championship, um, you know, I think we'll pre pretty much we might turn it into a week long celebration then.
1: So with a couple of wins <laughs> under your belt so far this season, at what point of the week, or is it during the race, or is it not till you cross the finish line? Do you know that, you know, it was your guys' week, you guys have the best car?
0: Well, I you know, there's some instances like you know, at Gateway, we had a great performance, right? We, um, we qualified on the pole. Uh, we won, I think the first stage, finished second in the second stage and, and led, I think, you know, a majority of the laps in that race. And, um, so that was just great execution by our team as a whole. Uh, the car was, car was set up really well. Kyle did an excellent job. He, uh, he gets around all these racetracks pretty good. So it's hard to say that that's one of Kyle's better tracks. He's, he's pretty much good at all of them. So, um, you know, and then, you know, the pit crew did a phenomenal job that day. So, um, you know, we felt like watching that race, watching that race play out, it was our race to lose at that point, right? Yeah. Um, we had some some stiff competition from the 12 car, and um, I think the 11 got really good at the end as well. But, um, you know, we, we kind of felt like that was our ra- race to lose and kind of felt that way at Fontana too. Had a really, really good car, really fast car, Um you know, and kind of put ourselves in place, uh, you know, Talladega kind of worked out to where it was more of a strategy thing, you know, fuel mileage race. And, um, we were fortunate enough to to have enough gas in the tank to make it and, um, win that race. So it just kind of, you know, it just kind of depends. You never feel like, man, I'm, I'm going to win this one until the checkered flag falls because so much happens at the end of these races, you know, you get a, a late race caution or, or whatever happens, um, can always throw a wrench in your plans.
1: And I can only imagine the, the amount of technology that you have at your fingertips during a race, you know, with fuel mileage and tires and all the decisions that you have to make. How, how much of it comes down to, you know, what the computer says versus your gut and what you should do in that moment?
0: Well, I would say, you know, it's definitely become more technically driven. Um, you know, when I when I first started doing this, I was, you know, race engineering at the time and I was calculating fuel mileage off of what what we dumped actually weighed the fuel. Right. Um, and we would weigh it and we kind of knew what it weighed per gallon based on what temperature it was and all this. And, um, that's kind of how you calculated your fuel mileage is just off pencil and, you know, pencil and paper. And, um, okay, I think I can go 50 laps and maybe you can only go 49 or maybe you can go 53. Who knows? You know, we got to be pretty good at that. Um, but when they introduced, um, you know, the, the fuel injection, um, being able to collect some of the data um, understanding how much fuel we're using more, how to save fuel, things like that. It's, it's gotten a lot more technical on calculating fuel side of things. Right. So um, definitely way more um, accurate um, which helps us call the race too. You know, like we can kind of better predict um, what's the most efficient time. Like do we, do we run say a full, full tank of fuel out on these tires or, the tire's going to wear out before we use all the fuel on the car. So maybe we need to pit before, you know, before for tires, and maybe that's the most efficient way to, to get where you're going. so um, and that comes in every weekend. It's, it's just a different strategy every weekend. Every track's different. Um, Richmond's one of those places, that, like this past weekend, I think there was only one actual caution in the race outside of the stages. So um, that led into a lot of, okay, when's the most – uh, efficient time to pit? When are we going to get the most out of our tires? Is it going to be, you know, run long and, and use more fuel and not worry about the tires as much or keep fresh tires on it or, or whatever it is. So um, there'll be a, certainly a lot of that strategy this weekend in Michigan. It's a, it's a big track position race. So you're going to want to do whatever you can to stay at the front of the line. Um, Cause it's really hard to pass in these races. And um, so those are some of the things that we focus on.
1: So how often does a, race go pretty much the way you drew it up in the lab leading up to the race
0: uh pretty much never (laughs) so um yeah no i mean you just you just got to kind of be prepared for for everything like we've we've got the radio that we talked to kyle on uh, myself uh kyle and, and the spotters on um, and then we have two or three different channels that are going on at, at all the time. that I've got one channel that I, I communicate to the pit crew about, hey, our next stop, we're going to put four tires on and, and make this adjustment. Um, and then I have another another channel that I talk just to the spotter himself and then I uh, have a private channel that I talk to my engineers on. So I got. I got all kinds of voices in my head during the race and, and we're always constantly talking about, okay, what's our next move? If the caution were to come out right now, are we going to pit? Or are we going to stay out? Are we going to put four tires on? Or are we going to put two? Like what's our strategy at this point? It just, it's like that for three, three and a half hours on top of the pit box every week.
1: So you mentioned that the three, three and a half hours, depending on how, how many laps you're racing, are you locked in the entire time? Do you get to exhale a little bit? Do you not do that until the, the final checkered flag drops i mean what what is that couple hours like for you well it's certainly
0: pretty intense it's it's my favorite time of the week honestly like i i feel like um you know i feel like when we're calling races i think that's one of my more exciting times um i love doing the car setup stuff as well like trying to figure out how to make the car as fast as possible like i really enjoy that but i also like I've grown to like the strategy of it. Like I wasn't very good at it when I first started. Like I didn't, I didn't get it. Now I've, now I've learned, I've done it enough. I've like been around enough times. It's, it's kind of like a high speed chess match. It's like, how are you going to outsmart these guys? How are you going to, how are you going to figure out how to come out of the, come out in front of them after pit road or how are you going to, you know, how are you going to make it to the end and, get there in the least amount of time you can possibly get to right and that's what it's all about every weekend so that's the fun part i think of my job is is trying to figure out that strategy every weekend
1: so until the race starts at 1 30 in the afternoon what does your day look like are you trying to get a workout in get a big breakfast in take it light and easy what's your day like leading up to that
0: um well sometimes i like to get up and run in the morning um just kind of get my morning started. I did that at Richmond this weekend. That was nice. Um, sometimes I don't do that. Um, (laughs) probably not near as enough as as I should, but, um, you know, it's kind of like to try to come in with a clear head. Um, and then just when I get to the track, we, we kind of make our final decisions. Uh, we got about an hour, hour and a half before we can actually work on the cars to make our, what we call our final adjustments for the weekend. Um, so we kind of just go over everything, make sure we've got everything decided on what we want to do for the adjustments to s- start the race, um, communicate that with our mechanics. So when they can do that, they they do. And then um, start working on that strategy. Like we we, we talked about strategy all week, but we kind of really go dive deep into it on Sunday morning and say okay this this is what we got this is how the race we feel like the race is going to play out if this happens this is what we're going to do you know um, talk about all that with our with our engineers and and just be prepared have everybody on the same page going into the
1: race is there such a thing as giving a driver too much information or do the drivers want to know everything that you and the engineers are talking about
0: um, yeah, I think there's, I think there's, uh, instances where you can give the driver too much information. Um, but you also got, you can't leave him in the dark out there. Sure. He's got to be able. So like, you know, like for instance, Richmond's a, a big one. Sometimes you'll be out there on a little bit older tires in a car that shouldn't be passing you right now is passing you. And it starts frustrating the driver. Cause he's it's like, what the heck's going on? Well, that guy's on new tires. Cause he's on a different strategy than us. Right. So, um, you kind of got to communicate all that. Um, fortunate enough with with Kyle Bush driving our car, he's been around a long time and he understands, you know, how all that plays out. So um, you know, you give him a little bit of information and he's already he's processing that too. And and he'll sometimes come back and say, hey, what about what do we do about this? or or what about this strategy or or whatever. So um it's constant communication with him. Um, you know, we're not we're not overly flooding him with information, but we're making sure he understands what we're trying to accomplish.
1: So you personally, you're from the the St. Louis area, uh, born in Fenton, Missouri. Uh, how did you get into racing in that part of the country?
0: Yeah, so uh, my dad grew up in southern uh, Indiana, um, and he raced uh, late models uh, when he was a kid. You know, he raced dirt late models all over, uh place in Alney, Illinois, Hobstadt, Indiana. There's a lot of places in that area of the country that, that he raced a lot at. And then he moved to St. Louis um, and then married my mom. I was born. And then uh, he got me into go-kart racing at a very young age. Uh, he was always involved in some sort of local racing. Um, got me involved in go-kart racing. At, you know, I started racing, I think, seven years old. Um, and that's what I did. I didn't play any really stick and ball sports. I, I raced on the weekends. I raced Saturdays. I raced Sundays, sometimes Friday nights, depending on if we could find somewhere to race. Um, and that's what I did as a kid. And, and I loved it. And Um, I loved working on them. I wanted to be a driver um, and just didn't work out. I got to do some, uh, when I moved to North Carolina, I did a lot of of late model stock racing here in in North Carolina and um, finished up my schooling at at UNC Charlotte um, and got my mechanical engineering degree and just kind of stayed in and and started working with some teams and and got my foot in the door that way.
1: And so you've, uh, you know, doing some of those dirt races, those late models, uh, we up here in Wisconsin have... A lot of those types of tracks. And I, I know you've been up this way. Um, what do you remember about your time in Wisconsin? I know you guys have had some success over at Road America. Uh, do you have any uh, parts of this country that uh, oh, yeah. stand out to you? I, um,
0: I grew up, uh, we ran the WKA Regional Series uh, it was, uh, for the Manufacturers Cup at the time. Um, I'd come up to Dowsman, Wisconsin all the sure. time. They had a great car track there. Um, Broadhead. Uh, Wisconsin. It was another great place. That was probably one of my favorite go-kart tracks I ever raced on. So I uh, got a lot of time there, you know, Northern Illinois, um, into Michigan, all those areas. You know, um, just growing up in St. Louis, we were always racing somewhere in between Illinois, Wisconsin, Michigan, Indiana, um, all the way up to Iowa. We've been to Iowa several times, uh, several races there as well. So I uh, got a, a lot of great memories and, and a lot of uh, childhood fun uh, all through that part of the country.
1: So then I have a, a regional question for you. So St. Louis, I would consider as part of the Midwest, but probably the furthest Southern part of the Midwest, would you say? Because any once you get farther South than that, it is a little bit of a shift in the culture, right? Yeah, I would say. I would say pretty much South of St. Louis is, is a little different, right? You know, um, you kind
0: of start getting into that, what they call the Southeast region, right? When you get into the Kentucky and, and Tennessee area. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I, I've always identified as a Midwesterner, I would say, you know, just growing up uh, 20 minutes from downtown. I'm a Cardinals fan. I know you're a Brewers fan. Um, I'm sorry about that, but a uh, Cardinals fan. You guys are, are obviously doing a lot better than us this year, though. So, this year. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's, um, been, it's been a tough go for the Cardinals this year. So, um, okay all of the best moments in Brewers history have been ended by the Cardinals. I've, I've always said from the 82 <laughs> world series, yeah. 2008, 2011, it's always been at the hands of the Cardinals. Yeah. So they, they can yeah. have a down year every once in a while. I got a, a
0: funny story. I went to, uh, I went in, I'll uh, say 2011, I went to game six of world series um, at Bush stadium and got to see them play the Rangers. Is that so the that David was, freeze game. Yeah, oh yeah. David freeze hit the game. And I, there was a funny story about that as I, uh, I left straight from there um the game had gotten rained out the night before um so I was actually supposed to be in Martinsville Virginia for a race I called my boss and I'm like man it's game six like I'm at the World Series he's like I don't care but you got to be at the racetrack on Friday morning game was Thursday night I'm like oh no how am I going to do that so end up getting a flight out of India had to leave the game left the game right after it was over drove to Indy caught a flight at like I don't know, five o'clock, six o'clock in the morning and flew to Virginia to go be at the racetrack at Martinsville that weekend. So it was fun. But um, yeah, one of, one of my great memories of being able to go to a Cardinals baseball
1: game. Yeah, certainly worth it for a for memory like that. Are there other uh, places around the country, whether it's tracks, ballparks, cities that that stand out to you as some of your favorite places to visit?
0: Well, certainly, um, you know, Road America was one of my favorites. Honestly, we've been we came up there um, it was great. We stayed in Sheboygan there right on, you know, right on the Lake, um, loved coming there. I hate, we didn't come there this year. Um, certainly that was certainly a bummer, especially since we got our first win with Tyler there last year, uh, in the eight car. Um, so we we're a little bummed about that, but that was one of my more favorite tracks to, to actually come to. It's a great part of the country. I know the Xfendi guys were there last weekend, um, and had a great time. So, um, you know, I like going to Kansas city, Kansas city is one of my favorite places. Um, You know, it's a great city. We stay right there in downtown. It's always fun to go. Um, Great places to eat there. Um, As far as racetracks, I love I love going to Darlington. Darlington's uh, got so much so much history and and just such a cool, unique racetrack. I love going there Uh, And Martinsville as well. I was fortunate enough to to race a few late model races at Martinsville myself. So I've gotten to drive there. So that one's kind of near and dear to my heart,
1: too. And you mentioned Tyler and you were with him for the past couple of seasons. Uh, You've been with uh, a handful of drivers before that, A.G. Allmendinger, Austin Dillon, Paul Menard, and more, you know, jumping over to Kyle Busch and his team. What's that transition like as a crew chief coming in? You know, Tyler, a little bit of a younger guy when you started with him. And Kyle is, you know, one of the one of the biggest names in the sport. What's that transition like uh, coming into to his team?
0: Well, I'm not going to lie. I was a little nervous about it at first. I mean, he's, you know, he's a legend of our sport. He's going to be, you know, future hall of famer. Um, the one, you know, 200 and some national touring races, like some incredible, incredible numbers that he's, he's put up through his career and, um, can win any given weekend. Um, so that puts a lot of pressure on the team. That's, you know, it, you go into it and if the car's not performing, you know, it's not him. Right. So, um, but, but our transition has been great. We, uh, we get along really well. Um, you know, we spent a lot of time together this off season, getting to know each other, um, getting to know how each other works, communicating, um, you know, going how – teaching him our, our process and how we go about preparing for a week of racing and, and him going through how he likes to prepare. So all those things have, has really helped speed up our, our uh, you know, learning time or learning curve together. And and I feel like we've came out and, and done fairly well. we certainly got some room for improvement. Um you know, but I, I feel like we've all been working hard together and in, in making that happen. And I think Richmond was a good testament of that this weekend. We, like I said, we've been struggling on those short tracks, and to go out there and qualify second and and come out of there third and um, really show you know the grit that this team has, I think is it was good. And I think that that gives Kyle a lot of confidence in what we're doing.
1: And I know it probably varies from driver to driver, but how much of your job is managing the car versus managing the guy driving it?
0: Um. A little bit of both, I would say, um, you know, there's, there's definitely times that he's uh, he can do um, he can get frustrated in the car if, if things aren't going the way. So um, sometimes you gotta, you gotta manage that, try to keep him cool, try to keep him calm um, and go from there, you know, and then um, and so it, it, my job is basically about managing everybody on the team, right. Keeping everybody pulling in the same direction. You know, I got, um, I got a, decide on the strategy. I got to kind of help decide on the final setup of the car. I got to make sure all that stuff gets executed out the way we want to. I got to communicate with the pit crew about what we're doing and how we're going to continue improving. And I got to keep the driver informed and and on board with what we're doing as well. So it's kind of just, you know, it's more managing all of that than anything.
1: And, And like you said, you and Kyle have had some, some good success this season, currently sitting in fifth place, in the nascar cup series standings uh four races to go correct before the playoffs can you kind of take me through the stretch run here and kind of how you manage things in august as you as you get into crunch time
0: well we we certainly we've had some conversations as a team and and this is our this is our time to start um really focusing on how we're going to come out of the gate strong in the playoffs right we've we've got We've got good points going into the playoffs. We want to try to win some stages. We want to try to win races um, going before we get to the playoffs to, to try to give ourselves some more bonus points when we start. Um, outside of that it's just about performing consistently each week. We've had a lot of ups and downs, uh, peaks and valleys I should say. Um, you know, We've had really fast cars and and we've not executed well and got poor finishes out of it. Sometimes we've had cars that hadn't been as good but we've got good finishes out of it because we've had good execution. So it's kind of um, kind of leveling out those peaks and valleys and being able to consistently run in the top five, top 10 score stage points, and put yourselves in contention to win weekend and week out. That's what's going to take to win the championship at the end of the year.
1: And it's a pretty long playoffs over the the course of a couple of months. I mean, is that, is that popular on the circuit? Is that something that uh, people like the structure of it and the way that it's kind of, You whittle it down from 16 to 12 to eight, all the way down to the finish. Uh, I don't know. It's kind
0: of, it's kind of, you got what you got. It's their sandbox and we're playing in it. Right. So I think there's a lot of differing opinions on it. Every year people come up with, well, they should do it this way or we should do it this way or we should do it this way. But at the end of the day, this is what we got. We've got a 10 race playoff, um, whoever wins that final race is declared the champion, no matter how good they've ran all year long or not, you know, um, it doesn't really come into it. It's about your performance on that one day of the year. And so you got to prepare yourself to get to that point, first of all, because it's a challenge to get to even be in the final four. Um, so you got to make it through each round um, and consistently building your team and, and hope you bring the breath stuff you got to, uh, you know, to Phoenix to try to, to, to finish it off.
1: Well, we're hoping that uh, Kyle Busch is going to be there at the end, but this weekend is a, uh, a big stepping stone to to get there. It's the Firekeepers Casino 400. It's at the Michigan International Speedway. You can watch it this Sunday starting at 1.30 p.m. on the USA Network. That's Kyle Busch in the number eight car for Richard Childress Racing and Randall Burnett there as a the crew chief for Kyle and RCR. Randall, we appreciate your time on the quick cast. Best of luck in Michigan this weekend, and uh, we'll be watching with you guys on TV. Yeah, we're really
0: excited, uh, really excited about our partnership um, and looking forward to a great time in Michigan. Michigan's one of the best places to go to. They've got uh, the camping uh, there, the people camping there. It's out of control. I a mean, really good time. So if anybody's got an opportunity to come check out the race, it's, it's a great time there in Michigan.
1: Oh, good, Randall. We appreciate your time and we'll see you next time.
0: All right. Thanks for having me on, Chris. Thanks
1: for listening to the QuickCast. Hey, we'll see you next time.